0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's say hello to Michelle McQuig, the weekend news editor at The Canadian Press. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dave. Michelle, it was a pretty busy weekend on the news front. Let's begin in Quebec. It sure was. Yeah, yeah, it really was. <laughs> so, let's begin in Quebec, where the provincial election campaign is underway and you dove into this yesterday. Did you have any big takeaways from the issues that might be front and center over the next month or so?
1: Well, uh, I mean, some of them are not super surprising. Uh, a, a couple of parties that the two primary ones in this election uh, are trying to make the, the economy, the very big ballot box issue. Uh, but there's almost bound to be other ones that come up specifically language and, and minority rights. Um, We've talked at length on the show about Bill 21, Bill 96, uh, various legislative efforts underway to, to ban religious symbols in Quebec, uh, the, the much, much stricter language law that's in place, in place, excuse me, with the aim of, quote, protecting French. Uh, those are absolutely bound to come up. They already started to, in fact, yesterday, and I suspect those will be some of the bigger, bigger campaign issues here. But Francois Legault is considered to have a huge lead in the polls heading into this. It's considered very much his election to lose. And he's talking about his econ- his economic accomplishments as uh, to the main reason why he should be reelected. And the Liberals, who are the currently the official opposition, but way behind in both the polls and seats in the legislature, are
0: trying to challenge him on that front. Yeah, let's listen to some clips, actually. We have Liberal leader mm-hmm. Dominic Anglade discussing the cost of living yesterday
1: ask any Quebecer whether they're better off today than they were 4 years ago and they'll answer the question by no like the the reality is people don't have as much money in their pockets people are really suffering for the inflation people have to choose between feeding their kids or uh, paying the rent
0: and then of course you have coalition avenir leader francois legault also the incumbent premier touting his economic record we have a super economic team
1: and we're building a green economy. And that's good for everybody.
0: Anglophones, Francophones, everybody. It's good to be in a Quebec where we uh, build the future. Michelle, you referenced it before. Tell me again about the landscape in regards to the polls heading into the campaign.
1: Yeah, so uh, the Coalition Avenir Québec uh, has formed government with a majority for the past four years. They're widely expected to, to nail that down again, perhaps with an even bigger majority than the last time. We're talking like 30% up in the polls relative to their closest competitor, which is the, uh, the, the Quebec Liberal Party, which has formed government quite often in the past, uh, but has fallen a lot in stature in recent years. Uh, in a similar boat is the Parti Québécois, another, you know, former huge political force of the province, but right now they only had a handful of seats in the legislature. They're not considered to be a super strong contender for this. Um, there are two other parties that are also in the mix, uh, Quebec Solidaire, which is more of a left-leaning kind of party. Um, um, excuse me, but and the uh, Quebec Conservative Party—they're that sort of a splinter group that's come off in, in recent years. They uh, they were around in 2018; they did have a seat in the legislature. Um, but now they're poised to make some gains. The polls are showing that they're the one who are, who is standing to sort of potentially gain the most ground. They've they've elected a new leader who's done a lot to grow their base in recent years. So they're hoping to make a lot of inroads in this election, but it definitely looks at this early stage and barring some very unexpected developments that uh, the CAQ may be back in power in
0: October. Michelle, let's pivot to something regarding federal politics, but certainly has an influence on all politicians at all levels, and that's Mm -hmm. harassment. On Friday, Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland was verbally harassed in Grand Prairie, Alberta. It once again puts that focus on harassment faced by politicians. What was this particular incident on Friday?
1: So what happened here was Christopher Freeland was visiting City Hall in Grand Prairie, Alberta. She had a meeting with the mayor. And while she was there, she was confronted by a guy uh, uh, who had a fair, f- 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 excuse me, from what I'm told, a fairly physical intimidating presence. He was walking towards her as she was heading towards an elevator and started to yell at her, and he was hurling expletives, he was calling her a traitor, he was telling her to get out of Alberta. There's another woman's voice on the recording that's heard to say, you don't belong here. Um, He does not follow her onto the elevator. When Christopher feeling gets on the elevator, that's when the interaction ends. The video is only about 14 seconds long. But uh, you talked about political reaction across the spectrum, Dave, and you really nailed it because the reaction poured in all weekend from everybody. Uh, you know, past and present Conservatives, Liberals, NDPs, all, everyone was weighing in on this. And it was very interesting to see the nature of the, the remarks, the thoughts, and even the other anecdotes that were shared. This affects all politicians, but it does disproportionately hit women and people belonging to minority groups. And a lot of women were very candid about this. Uh, Lisa Rate, a former Conservative cabinet minister under Stephen Harper, was writing, for instance, that she had a knot in her stomach being afraid that this guy was actually going to follow Christopher Freeland onto the elevator and the potential threat that that could have posed if, if that had happened. Um, a lot of others were agreeing with Lisa Raitt, the mayor of Edmonton had a very candid thread yesterday with some horrifying experiences of harassment that she's faced. Uh, a guy, for instance, calling her at home and saying, I know where you are and you better watch out. And then him showing up at an event just shortly thereafter and hissing at her that I was the one who called you. And he sat in the front seat and glared at her the whole time. Um, a replica horse head found in her driveway, which anyone who knows The Godfather is probably shuddering right now at that very thought. Um, really graphic stuff. And it was, it was very interesting to see a lot of politicians not only voicing support for Christian Freeland and denouncing what happened, but calling for more action to, to curb harassment. And that actually was taken up by the prime minister yesterday as well.
0: Yeah, we heard the prime minister make comments on that one, and it's it's a, it's a story that's becoming more and more common. Common. We we've seen this happen even around Parliament Hill with uh, with Jagmeet Singh talking about this, the NDP leader. We saw this happen when Catherine McKenna was the minister of environment; couldn't go to a movie with her family without people yelling at her in the movie theater. Which again seems like it it just it, it's what we're talking about perpetually with regards to polarization, but also the temperature being turned way up here. Where at times, listen, I think it's fair to yell at a politician. I, I think that politicians like clutching their being sworn at is like a little much it's like listen that that's how people talk people are going to swear at you sometimes but sort of the being chased to an elevator or chased after or harassed in public you know th- there are lines here in the way like that we have to have decorum as a society
1: well and frankly telling any elected official to get out of a province in the country in which they were elected as a federal li- politician is is frankly kind of absurd and it's taken to the next level in christian Filan's case by the fact that she was born in Alberta and has yeah. family out there. Yeah. And uh, Jason Kenney, the premier of the province, took to Twitter quite quickly after that and, and immediately denounced this and said, you're welcome, you're welcome to visit the province of your birth anytime you like. Um, so it really is quite a pressing issue and it affects politicians at all levels of government. So it's really, um, you're right, we're seeing a lot more instances of this kind of harassment. It's become more prevalent and, and frankly, more aggressive in, yeah. in
0: recent years. Michelle, let's uh, turn from the negative and turn positively to the sky to the yeah. to the heavens. Uh, <laughs> any moments now the window will open to launch the Artemis moon mission. What's happening? No, it with-
1: won't. It's been postponed oh, for the moment. Oh, breaking, breaking <laughs> news with Michelle McQuig. Yeah, but it, I I don't have a I haven't fully read up yet, but I saw the alert pass that it's been postponed for the moment, but it'll happen soon.
0: So, so yeah, so basically there have been some weather conditions. There were some lightning strikes impacting the launch pad area mm-hmm. yesterday, and that did create some concern about the window that was going to open at 8.33 this morning. But now that window is closed. Irrespective, Michelle, what's happening with the mission?
1: Artemis. The Artemis missions are going to be very interesting for all those uh, space enthusiasts out there for the next little while. This is a a series of missions in which there's going to be quite a bit of Canadian involvement down the line uh, that aims to eventually set up a bit of a space station around the moon, which could then serve as a gateway to elsewhere in the solar system. So really exciting stuff for people who are into space exploration. Uh, Artemis 1 was supposed to go up today and be in orbit for a maximum, I think, of about 42 days, Uh, sort of checking the scene out a little bit. Um, Artemis 2, though, is where we start to see a lot more Canadian involvement, and that's set for the next couple of years, and that's one where people would orbit the moon. And This is the first time people would be heading back to the moon since the last set of Apollo missions, so it's been a long time. The Canadian Space Agency has said flat out that there will be a Canadian on the crew of Artemis 2, Uh, Artemis 3 they hope to get people back physically on the moon rather than just orbiting it and uh, Canada's science is going to be a role in in this whole mission because part of establishing the lunar gateway which is what they're calling the kind of station that they want to set up there um, will feature a new Canada arm Canada arm 3 it'll have two hands It's uh, going to be, this is a pretty crucial piece of technology to help, you know, wrangle spacecraft, do some repairs, help out astronauts during spacewalks, uh, be a really valuable tool. We we know the Canadarm has has been a big one for NASA in, in recent years. And you know, Canadian science has always been pretty active in this. We we even play a role in the, in some of the James Webb Telescope science mm-hmm. that's going mm-hmm. on right now. So we, we yeah, actually, and, we
0: actually had some of the folks from a Université de Montréal on the show who were a part of that. Who were part oh, of oh, that's that, awesome. uh, Part of that very research cool. A couple <laughs> weeks ago, which was really neat. Yeah, there's some speculation. No, this is just speculation, but from some experts in the field saying this, these Artemis missions, particularly if you have the unmanned ones, are going to be a precursor to some potential significant Mars exploration, which is uh, really neat as well. Using using some success on the moon, closer to orbit, getting out there and possibly starting to put people on the ground in Mars, which is fascinating.
1: Absolutely. Isabelle Tremblay, who's with the Canadian Space Agency, uh, gave an interview to my colleague Bob Weber uh, last week and that's explicitly what she said.
0: Bob's always got the good stories.
1: Yeah, Bob has great talkers. That's like his thing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she, she said flat out that this spend is meant to be uh, from from the lunar gateway they hope to to further their exploration well beyond where they've gone before and she did explicitly mention Mars
0: gosh exciting times in the world of space travel whether Very it be much james so. webb or whether it be some of the interesting uh, photographs that were taken of saturn a couple of weeks ago just from regular telescopic cameras on the planet It uh, sounds like dave times. brown might be
1: one of the space enthusiasts i was talking
0: about uh, dave brown <laughs> is one of these space enthusiasts that you're talking about but who's also terrified of space so i'm not going up out there i, I mean fair look from the but... comfort of a dock on a cottage uh michelle thank you for this you're most welcome You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review.
1: I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.